Hello, and welcome to this episode of Agape Fellowship, where we read the Word of God verse by verse. Jesus brings clarity to the laws that have been interpreted wrongly or inadequately by the religious teachers of the day. What better place to learn than from the Master himself? In the last episode, we learned God's yardstick on murder. Do join us as we continue learning from Matthew 5, verse 25. Verse 23 says, therefore, if you bring your gifts to the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. Now, if a brother has something against you and you know it, you've done something wrong to your brother. And you know it and he knows it. You're walking your way to the altar and then you remember that there was something that you had done wrong that you hadn't reconcile with your brother so Jesus is saying leave it there go and reconcile with him first in 25 verse 25 he says agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and judge to the officer and you be thrown in prison assuredly I say to you you will by no means get out of there till you pay your last penny sometimes we justify our anger and we argue it. Jesus here is talking about that. We've done it. I've done it. I don't know about you, but I've done it. I'm guilty. I justify my anger. I fight my anger. I know I, I give reasons why I'm right and the other person's wrong and oh, I do it all the time. But Jesus is saying, look, if you're gonna go for a fight, you're going to end up in prison and you're not going to get out till you pay your last penny. So it doesn't matter if you don't know whose side was the right and whose side was the wrong. Just scratch that and say, I'm sorry, let's move on. Settle the matter. Doesn't matter. Jesus is not looking at saying who, you know, he's not judging between the two brothers or between you and someone else or me and someone else. He's saying, doesn't matter which side, just settle it while you're on the way settle it because you don't want to get to a place where it becomes an argument and then ultimately you end up in a jail somewhere you know what I'm talking about in other words settle it that's what Jesus is talking about just settle it even if, it, if even if you were right and he was wrong um, and there's a big fight going on settle it let the other person win let him have it you walk away Let's read a couple of portions. Can someone read Genesis 4, 1 to 7? And I want someone else to read James 1, 13 to 16. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock 
and of their fat and the lord respected abel and his offering and he did not respect cain and his offering and cain was very angry and his countenance fell so the lord said to cain why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen if you do well will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it thank you let's look at james len james 1 verses 13 to 16 let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren let's just look at genesis 4 notice what god is coming to cain and saying to him sin lies at the door he hasn't done anything yet cain was very angry and his countenance fell and the lord comes to him and says why are you angry why is your countenance fallen cain beware sin is right here and sin wants you um you should rule over it notice that so the act hasn't taken place but sin is here already notice this is the second act in human history and right there you see that and in James we are told that the action begins in the mind and then when it's full-blown it gives birth to sin and then to death this is what sin is since nature is actually it begins in the heart this is what Jesus is referring to what the Jewish people at this thus far been taught was as long as I don't kill in my heart I can create I can I can have great animosity against somebody as long as I don't kill him I'm okay I didn't kill I didn't murder but Jesus comes along and says no you have now we in the New Testament era now that we know it we have to ask ourselves how many of us are murderers how many of us have killed others that is the yardstick that God's going to use not the yardstick of I didn't plunge a knife into somebody's heart many think that Jesus has come to give us a diluted version of scriptures oh you know I don't have to fulfill the law it's all been fulfilled for me but guess what commandment is still yours to keep and thou shalt not kill and have you killed have I killed and the answer is yes I'm a murderer Paul wasn't the only murderer you and I are murderers too based on God's yardstick let's move on verse 27 you've heard that it was said to those of old you shall not commit adultery 
But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand, the right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. Adultery. Adultery usually refers to the sexual relationship by a married person with a partner other than his own or her own. But in this case, it is a general topic. Notice where it says, you shall not commit adultery, but whoever looks. It's not just that person. Whoever. So, if you're a single person, you are not being excused. You are still in the same place as a married person that if you've lusted after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery already. It is what is this thing called lusting in, after someone in your heart? It's not that you saw somebody on the street and you saw and you looked and it, it's gone. That is not what we're talking about. In this case, your mind is acting. It's, uh, it's, it's on a hyper mode. You're, and you're imagining things. And you're desiring after somebody with the intention that of committing a sexual act with that person then you've committed adultery. The example I would give you is David. David began with looking at a woman taking a bath further down his, his street. But that wasn't enough for him. Just as James said, he first saw, then his mind kicked in, he schemed, he planned, he murdered, and then took that woman. But when did that actual act to take place? When he started to desire in his own heart for that woman. That was the desire that caused him to kill Uriah and then ultimately bring that woman into his house. So if you were the judge, you would say, when did this happen? Would you say it was when they had sexual relation or was it before? When was he a sinner? When did he commit that sin? It was when his mind had already schemed it, planned it, as James told us. It began in the mind. Full-blown and then ultimately death. And so what is Jesus saying here? If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Again, obviously, it's a figure of speech. He's not saying pull out your right eye. He is referring to it as figuratively. We are members of the body. We are members of Christ Jesus. Each one individually. With Christ as the head. So if I'm the one that's doing that, then it's better for me not to be in that. 
as part of the ecclesia. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than the whole body. Jesus is simply stressing the point that sacrifice, it's better for you not to go in that direction. Sacrifice whatever sacrifice you need to do to be, remain obedient. If part of our life is given over to sin, then we must be convinced that it is more profitable for me to get rid of that part of, the, of, of my life than condemn my whole life into that sin. This is the one thing many are unwilling to do. And so we continue to remain trapped in our sin. Now the adultery thing. Yes. Can that, can that mean just any kind of sexual immorality or does it mean adultery? I'm sorry, say it again, Nels. Now, now the, the word for the adultery, does that mean any kind of sexual immorality or does that mean adultery? Yeah, it is any kind. It's um, the uh, the word in Greek is porneia. Yeah, it, the word is Greek. I'm thank glad I'm glad that you brought it up. The word in Greek is porneia. It's any kind of sexual sin. Any kind. God knows it's not good for us, and God wants it out of our lives. Now, uh, on the one one hand, uh, it says it's like he committed adultery with the person. Or, or sexual immorality with a person. But that doesn't give the person, it's still worse, you actually go and do it. Oh well, I've done it already. <laughs> I might as well go and do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anil, Steve. Yes. Mr. Steve, yes. Mr. Steve, um, according to my NASB updated with Strong's, that word adultery in 27 is not porneia, it's moikeo. Okay. It's a verb to, to commit adultery. It's not sexual immorality. It comes from moikos, which means an adulterer. Okay. The act of an adulterer. <laughs> yeah, so it's not... It's not and I the like... Act. I the like act the, of an adultery. Are you a horse thief because you steal a horse, or because you know, or you are a thief and so you steal the horse? And also, in if he's in twenty nine, uh, he says, "If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out." And that word is is exerio, which also means to rescue. It can also mean to rescue, and I think that's a great picture there. Rescue your eye from continuing to look where you shouldn't look. That is correct. So I want to address the first one and then the second point that you made. Um, the uh, the moikeo, um, that, that it talks about an individual and adulterer's acts. The act of an adulterer. A person who is lost in that sin, as in that lifestyle, there's not much we can talk about anything redeemable out of that lifestyle. That's number one. The second part is about the rescue. And that point I want to mention is that the it doesn't mean to cut you off to get rid of, but rather to redeem your own soul. Redeem your life. He redeems my life out of destruction. So it's not God's intention, and by the way, I mentioned to you that 
the cutting away is I don't mean it's a figurative word. If God is using it, Jesus is using it figuratively by saying that you should rescue yourself, get out of that. And if that means to sacrificially leave something behind, then do that. If going to a certain place causes you to stumble on that sin, don't go there anymore. You want to go, but you say, no, I won't, because I know that if I go there, I'm going to fall into this sin. Sometimes we think um, that we are too strong, we are Christians, and so we should not use guardrails. This is the greatest lie that Satan tells us. Use guardrails. Use accountability. Do whatever it takes. I think that's because we don't sing leaning on the everlasting arms very <laughs> often anymore in our churches. Yeah, this is true. Uh, we don't lean on the everlasting arms. And the guardrails is the problem that the Pharisees had. You know, they, they, they said, okay, we're not allowed to work on Sunday. I'm sorry, Nels, your, speak, your mic is so weak, you cannot Oh, hear okay. The guardrails, it was the problem that the Pharisees had. Uh, I mean, they, they said, okay, it says, uh, don't, don't um, disobey the Sabbath. So let's see, let's, let's take a fence around the law, say, you can only travel 100 yards on the Sabbath. And... Uh, Jesus, Jesus condemns them for that, uh, those uh, they, Those are very different things. Uh, we cannot equate one with the other. One is justifying a lie, um, and you're trying to stretch. How stretchable is that one mile? That's what you're trying to do. That's what the Pharisees said. In this case, by, by guardrails, I mean create yourself fences so that you don't fall into a trap. But Whatever I, those I, fences I are, think, make them I don't for think yourself. That, I don't think that you can tell other people that since this is my fence trail, you have to obey the same fence. No, I didn't say that. I said create for yourself you, your fences. Yeah, then you'd yeah. be doing what the Pharisees did. Uh, no, I didn't say, exactly, I didn't say that. I yeah. did not say my fence is your fence. Yeah. Whatever fence, whatever you need to do, because you know your weakness, I know my weakness, everyone knows their own weaknesses better than anyone else knows it. So don't feel embarrassed about creating those guardrails. Look, someone may be able, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a roommate that I had. His greatest problem was gambling. And... Um, one, some days, he used to get up, I mean, way before we got up in the morning, and he was gone. Where did he go? He took a bus to Atlantic City. This is back in the 80s. And he used to go there and spend his money and come back. He just couldn't avoid it. Now, I've driven through Atlantic City, and I have no interest at all going that way. But if he were to travel with me, he would ask me to stop over for a half hour or one hour or whatever it is. My point is, 
my guardrails are different from his guardrails. And by guardrails, I mean accountability partners, prayer, fasting. When you have a certain weakness in a certain area, when you know that you're weak in that area, do what it takes. Establish it. I'm not creating a Pharisaic approach to this. I'm saying that create whatever guardrails and accountability systems you need to do so that you don't fall into it. By the way, if God wanted to snub, stub you out from that sin, he could. He sometimes permitted, permits it so that you might call upon him for your salvation. That which causes you to stumble is not the same that causes me to stumble. We're different. We stumble at different things. If God wanted us all to be perfect the day number one when we became a Christian, he could do that. That day on which you call upon him as your Lord and God, that day could be the last day you see sin. However, that's not what he does. He allows it and he causes you to seek after him and he tests you. Remember that's what he did for the Israelites. And so the Israelites are an example unto us. He tested them as he went through the wilderness. And so he tests you and he tests me as we walk through the wilderness. Now is that a surprise? It ought not to be a surprise. It sends tests. Jesus places high emphasis on reconciliation irrespective of whether we are in the wrong or not. Anger leads to sin and eventually separation from God. God wants us to be mindful of our emotions and set guardrails to protect us from temptations that lead to sexual sin. Our loving Redeemer earnestly asks us to keep away from the path that leads to sin. We will meet again in the next episode.